Good morning. Happy New Year. So you may know that we all had the week off last week. It was wonderful. It was a great gift. Um, but I found myself this morning when I woke up and it was pitch black out and it was about zero degrees that I had a really hard time getting out of bed. And the only thing that kind of got me here this morning was a whole bunch of coffee. And I found when I stood up here at 8 o'clock that my heart was racing a million miles a minute and my, my mouth and my brain weren't quite in sync. So I didn't drink coffee in between the services. So hopefully I've calmed down. You know, we've been complaining a lot this past year about the lectionary. Um, it's a great tool. I love that we have it because it helps me to ground sermons when I have to stand up here and talk before you. There's some foundation for my work, for all of our work. Um, but we also, when you're using that week in and week out, uh, you seem to start to see the inadequacies of it. This week I was stymied once again, <coughs> once again by the lectionary because the gospel reading that we did this morning is the second half of the gospel reading that we're going to do next week, and my sort of linear chronological mind couldn't wrap itself around that. So I decided to ignore the gospel entirely today. And I'm going to focus instead on the Hebrew scripture, which fortunately is from the book of Jeremiah, which is one of my favorite books. I love it so much that uh, when I was in my first year of studying ministry, and I was studying the Hebrew Bible, my, my sister had her first child, my first nephew, and I convinced her to name him Jeremiah. I'm not sure if that was a gift or not. It remains to be seen. So I want to explore the book of Jeremiah together with you this morning. It is the longest of the prophetic books. It's actually the longest book in the entire Bible by word count. And all of those many words provide us with a lot of information about, the understa uh, information about and understanding of Jeremiah, which is great. Jeremiah prophesied doom and gloom, the coming of destruction of Jerusalem and her people because of their insincere worship and failure to trust in God. But Jeremiah also prophesied the possibility of a beautiful world with God, one in which our loving God reigns and looks forward to the coming of a Messiah. We think, when we think about prophecies of the coming of the Messiah, we tend to think of Isaiah, because he's often quoted in the New Testament. But Jeremiah also prophesied a future Messiah, describing him as a branch from the house of David, the king who would reign in wisdom and righteousness. And he prophesied the birth of a new covenant with God, doom and gloom countered by hope and love. Jeremiah grew up in a small town of Anathoth, which was about three miles northeast of Jerusalem. Anathoth and Jerusalem were geographically very close, but, but culturally and politically very different. Jeremiah was born into the priestly line of Abiathar, which had no real standing at all with the priests in Jerusalem. In fact, King Solomon had, had removed Abiathar from authority centuries before this and replaced him with the priestly line of Zadok in Jerusalem. But Jeremiah was called to serve the people of Jerusalem. He found himself prophesying amid people who didn't accept his inherited priesthood or even his presence. He was an outsider, and he was met with suspicion and dislike 
throughout his long career. Jeremiah resisted God's call mightily. When God called Jeremiah to be a prophet, he was in his early 20s. And unlike Isaiah, who readily accepted God's call, here I am, send me, send me. Jeremiah said, I'm just a boy. I couldn't possibly speak for you. But God responded, telling Jeremiah that God would give him the strength he needed and that God had faith in him. He also threatened him a little bit. It became pretty clear that Jeremiah didn't have a lot of choice in the matter. Gird up your loins, God says. Stand up and tell them everything that I command you. Do not break down before them, or I will break you before them. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. While Jeremiah had no standing or authority or even respect in Jerusalem, he had standing with God, and God promised to stand with him. God's faith in Jeremiah, <coughs> and Jeremiah's sometimes shaky faith in God, but his commitment to his call, allowed him to be a courageous and persistent prophet who endured physical suffering, ridicule, and isolation. Jeremiah from the age of 20, committed his entire life to God. And he was denied many of the ordinary joys and sorrows of life. He never married, for instance. He was lonely. He said at one point, I sat alone with God's hand upon him. Jeremiah's story is the story we experience throughout the Bible. The story of faith and story of struggle and a story of relationship with God. The story of a God who persistently, doggedly seeks relationship with God's people. From the beginning, Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, Noah, Noah Samuel, Isaiah, Ezekiel and Daniel, Moses, we witness stories of God reaching into our earthly realm to connect with God's people, to connect with us. God using us to translate God's message to the people, a merciful God in intimate relationship with God's people. The book of Jeremiah is rich with historical, political, and personal information that provides us with insight into his life and his struggles. Through his own words, we're able to get to know the person of Jeremiah, the personality, the fears, the hurts, and disappointments, and we're given unique access into his faith and his relationship with God. But Jeremiah wasn't without doubt. It was probably one of the things I liked most about him. He had periods of despondency when he wished that he'd never been born, or that he might run away and live alone in the desert. He had moments of resentment and anger towards, towards God, at one point accusing God of deceiving and overpowering him, calling God a deceitful brook, waters that fail. His inner doubts and conflicts are reflected in these great conversations he has with God where he questions God's tactics and God responds. We're privy to Jeremiah's confessions and his prayers, conversations with God which uniquely illustrate the intimate relationship that existed between the prophet and his God. These are prayers characterized by deep sincerity and frank honesty. 
Jeremiah opened his mind and his heart to God and simply spoke his truth. If he thought God had been unjust in dealing with him or with his people, he said it, and God responded. His prayers weren't monologues, but conversations. Jeremiah exhibited a tenacious faithfulness in carrying out God's call in the face of unrelenting opposition and harsh criticism and his own personal doubts. Jeremiah was saddened by what he saw as his failure in turning the people back to God, losing confidence in, in himself, but sticking with it because he, even amidst his doubts, he believed God would vindicate the truth of the message. Jeremiah could be faithful to his unwanted call because God had promised to be faithful to him. He served with God's promise held close. God said, they will fight against you, but, you shall not but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you to deliver you. And through his perseverance, Jeremiah also experienced times of great gratitude when he said to God, your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I love that. Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Jeremiah's commitment and strength are built on the foundation of God's undying mercy and love for God's people and a promise of a new way forward. It's this representation of Jeremiah as a tortured soul, a cynic, a faithful servant, and a joyful messenger of God that draws me to him. The full complexity of a person struggling with his faith in his life Jeremiah's intimacy, honesty, and vulnerability in his dealings with God are profound and tell a beautiful story of a relationship between God and one man, but also the eternal story of God in relationship with God's people, the story of a persistent and loving relationship, the story of a persistent and loving God. Jeremiah condemns the people's indifference to God's love, but counters that with a beautiful vision of what is possible if the people truly turn towards God and accept God's love. His message of doom and gloom becomes a message of hope and joy and love, which is what we hear or heard in our reading this morning, a beautiful poem of hope. I'm going to reread a little bit of it to you. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will give the priests their fill of fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty, says the Lord. The Lord is committing to being there with us, for caring with, for us, for loving us. And so Jeremiah shifts from the sort of depressing voice of doom to one of the most hopeful and prophetic voices of Scripture, painting a picture of all that is possible 
with God and prophesying a future in which God's love will reign within us and through us and we will enter into a new kind of relationship with God, a new covenant. Jeremiah provides a clear glimpse of the new covenant God intends to make with his people. This new covenant would be the means of restoration for God's people as God puts God's law within them, writing it on the hearts of flesh rather than on tablets of stone, rather than fostering our relationship with God through a fixed location like a temple or a church or through rigid religious practices and laws. God promised through Jeremiah that God's people would know God directly and intimately. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will put my law within them and will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. This is one of my favorite images in the Bible, God writing the law on our hearts. No longer is it something out there, separate from us, like the Ten Commandments written on a stone, God's law, outside of God's self and outside of God's people. When you look to an external source, look for God in a rule book on a slab of stone, it too easily becomes a faith of rules, legalistic, hardened, transactional, This is the kind of faith that Jesus was railing against in his time. The Pharisees, the leaders of the Jewish people, were all about following the rules and the letter of the law, like the people of Judah in Jeremiah's time, who worshipped with untrue hearts, without real connection to their God. In their strict adherence to the law, the people's hearts grew distant And they lost the true spirit of God's law, law, which is love. But God didn't abandon the people, even though their hearts had turned away from God's divine love and life-giving law. God is faithful and promises to be known, not just in word and in teaching, but in the very DNA of the people. God will be embodied within us. And this new covenant provides us with a deep sense of hope and faith and a significant shift in our understanding and experience of our relationship with God. I had this image when I was sitting up here earlier of this great big God that's creating the world out here, right? And you see this God fills the universe. And we're in this progression of God not getting smaller, but just getting closer until God is actually within us and a part of us. God will etch into the fertile ground of our very hearts this covenantal instinct, this new thing that Jeremiah describes. And we know, if we're true to our hearts and listen for God, we know. We know how to live in harmony with God. Love your God, love yourself, love your neighbor, love your enemy. We know. We don't always do it, but it is there if we truly listen to our hearts. This is a foreshadowing of the new covenant that will be ushered into the world in the person of Jesus. Jesus will lead us back into true relationship with God, a new sense of belonging to God and being in relationship with God. 
being filled with the Holy Spirit and being loved by God. A relationship that is modeled for us in God's intimate and honest and sometimes hard but always loving relationship with Jeremiah. A relationship with God that is modeled through the person of Christ, the presence of God, creator, son, Holy Spirit within us and among us. Amen. <laughs>